Let's pray. Heavenly Father, send your spirit to amaze and astound us when we come into the presence of Jesus. And when his presence comes to us, we ask in his name, amen. There are several lists of the most influential people in world history. I recently saw one, the five most important people in history in Time Magazine. And they mentioned people like, oh, Alexander the Great, Caesar Augustus, Buddha, Muhammad. They even mentioned Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln. But you know what? All of these lists, whether it's three people or five people or ten people, always, always, always include Jesus. Usually he's number one or number two. Now, amongst this list of the most influential people in the history of the world, Jesus is unique. There's something different about him. Because he's the only one who claims to be God. And most people who claim to be God are nutso. And they're immediately ruled out as being influential or significant in world history. C.S. Lewis, in a wonderful book called Mere Christianity, in the chapter entitled The Shocking Alternative, at the end of the chapter, this is what he says. He says, I'm trying to prevent people from saying what they often say. I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. I'm just not ready to accept him as God. Lewis goes on, a man who says the things that Jesus says about himself, he can't be a great moral teacher. Jesus will say things like, I and the Father are one. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And Lewis says, people who say such things are either a lunatic, on the level of a man who claims he's a poached egg, or they're the devil of hell. You decide, you choose which one you agree with. Was Jesus and is Jesus the son of God? Or is he a madman or something worse? You can dismiss him as a fool you can spit on him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall down and call him God and Lord. He says, I'm tired of this 
patronizing nonsense that Jesus is a great moral teacher. Jesus did not give us that option. He did not intend to. When I read that quote from Mere Christianity many years ago, it just all of a sudden a light bulb came on. And I thought, you know, the church is more than a sanctified rotary club. The church is more than just a bunch of good people getting together for their weekly obligation to attend worship. The church is really centered on and focused on Jesus Christ and who we say he is. And this will determine everything about your life. You cannot go a single day without determining whether Jesus' claims are true or not. The second quote you have in your bulletins is from a Scottish preacher, theologian, John Deacon, but his nickname was Rabbi Deacon. He was a good teacher. He died in 1870. And he said, either Jesus deceived people or himself was self-deceived, demonic, or he is divine. You look at how Jesus has influenced people throughout the centuries, and you notice something pretty amazing. Jesus' words, his actions, his cross, his resurrection, have warmed hearts and transformed lives more than we can count. And what about the disciples who knew him best, who were with him 24-7 for three years? If Jesus was a lunatic, demon-possessed, or a prophet teacher, why were they willing not only to live for him, but to die for him? So, of course, Rabbi Duncan intends you to come to the conclusion that he's divine. I want to talk a little bit more about he's a good man, he's a prophet. He's a moral teacher. And the reason I want to talk about that a bit more is because when we say that Jesus gives us an example to follow and that he is a great teacher of morality, you know what we've done? We've basically lumped Christianity with all other world religions because the leaders, the teachers, the prophets in every religion say, this is the way to God, do this. Follow this. And Jesus comes and says, I am the way to God. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because of what I have done, 
Do you understand the difference, the radical dissimilarity between Christianity and every other world religion? Every other world religion says, here's a list, a prescription of things you must do if you want to see God, if you want to be accepted by God. And Christianity comes along in the person of Jesus Christ and says, look at what I have done for you in your place. There's a very prominent preacher in our country down in Houston. And I'm not going to mention his name, but he said in one of his books, if you do your best for God, God will do his best for you. This is pretty common in American Christianity. Christians see Christianity as a to-do list. Uh, Maybe a 50-50 proposition that uh, Jesus, the point of him is that he's a booster shot. He's an encouragement. He's a vitamin supplement to help you do these things, which is what Christianity is all about. I'm going to say it very clear. If your Christian faith is about you being a good person, following Jesus' example, and thinking that because of what you do, God accepts you and values you and loves you, you're not a Christian. Christianity is what Jesus has done. His death, his resurrection. As Luther says in the second article, he has redeemed me, purchased and won me, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom. He has freed you from the guilt and shame and repeated occurrence of sin in your life. He has freed you from the fear of death. He has freed you. Don't you love the word shenanigans? From the shenanigans of Satan. You're no longer a pawn, controlled because you are so deathly afraid of death. And you're trying to find life, your best life now. The next person mentioned in the message outline is P.T. Forsyth. Uh, He died in 1920, again, a Scottish preacher. Uh, His first name is Peter, if you like that better. Now, why did I choose two Scottish preachers? Both of them went to the University of Aberdeen. And little known fact, my third daughter went to the University of Aberdeen for a year, so I'm kind of fond of that institution. But Peter Forsyth, the quote is a little bit difficult. You've got it in your 
service folder, but let me give it to you in Dan speak. If Jesus is not God, how can God satisfy our heart's desire? If this guy, who by his own claim says he is God, if he really is not, where are we going to look for God? I mean, here's somebody who is courageous but compassionate, who has great strengths and yet offers us unlimited comfort who in his own right can defeat death, but not for himself, for us. If Jesus is not God, our heart's desire has been dashed. Because everything our heart desires is found in him. Uh, G.K. Chesterton made a comment he said, imagine you're walking along the sidewalk and you find a key. Huh, I wonder what this opens. So you try lock after lock after lock and finally you find the lock that the key works. And you conclude, oh, the person who made this lock made this key. Jesus is the key to our heart. He made us, created us with a heart that desires him. I want to give you an application or two. And I'm going to go back to the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah 23. Our deepest, most heartfelt human need is to feel accepted and valued, loved and forgiven, to be given significance and worth. Jesus Christ, his name is the Lord, our righteousness. Righteousness is a fancy Bible word for worth, significance, value, acceptance, forgiveness, love. And if you're honest with yourself and you look in the mirror, you realize every day that's what you need. Desperately. Above everything else. You want someone to love you and value you, to make your life significant, to give it meaning and purpose. And that's what it means when Jeremiah speaking through the Lord says, his name is the Lord, our righteousness. If you were going to go to the righteousness market and they, they offered you great wealth or popularity or power or prestige or pleasure or even religion, piety, and they said, these things will make you feel right. How long does that last? until you got to go back to the store and try again. 
But in Christ, you have eternal significance. You have everlasting worth. You have unlimited forgiveness. You have unconditional love. That's a personal application. Now let's talk about Redeemer. Uh, Jerry Kishnick was president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod from 2004 until 2010. And every time I heard Jerry Kishnick speak, he had sort of one line that he always went to. He said, if we really believe the Bible, If we really believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father and to life now and forever, why aren't we sharing it? Why aren't we inviting our friends and our relatives to the place that has Jesus, who has the franchise on real and eternal life? If we truly believe what the Bible says, why won't we move heaven and earth so that people in our neighborhoods, our community, our state, our country, our world know who Jesus is and what he has done for us? And I know people think I'm a little bit wild and by people, I mean my brother pastors. And Dan, why do you print out the service every week? And why don't you follow the hymnal the way God meant it to be? And my answer doesn't satisfy them, but I say, look, we in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate are seen as standoffish, as arrogant, as judgmental. I said the least we can do is make the worship service visitor friendly. I've gone to too many services where people are fumbling with the hymnal, trying to find the right page. And if you look at those hymnals in your pew, I think this is wild. What are all those markers about? All those ribbons? It's so you can come to church 15 minutes early and mark all the places you're going to have to go. So you can do it seamlessly and without a lot of frustration. What if a crazy pastor just printed the service out for everybody to see and you know where you start and you know where you end and you know how you get there? Is that too much to ask of our beloved Senate? Evidently, yes, because every convention we have, there's always a resolution condemning pastors for doing their own thing. Uh, that's me. If Jesus is who he really says he is, that determines and directs everything in our lives and in this 
church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, send your spirit to convince us that Jesus is the Son of God, the one who came from heaven to earth to die the death we should have died, even though he had lived the life we should have lived. May we always look to his cross, to his open tomb, and experience the wonder, the joy, the rest, the excitement, the exhilaration, the electric sensation of knowing that he did that for us, that we might have present and eternal righteousness. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.